Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Well, hey, I'm excited. Today we are beginning a brand new sermon series called So Help Me God. So Help Me God. And it is a uh, series on the Holy Spirit. And it comes from one of the four passages of Scripture where Jesus actually describes the person of the Holy Spirit. And he uses a particular word to describe him in all four instances. And this is also his goodbye speech. So he's saying goodbye to his disciples because he's going to the cross. They're getting nervous because they've never done life without Jesus before. And he says, don't worry, I might be going, but I'm sending another. And the best way I can describe him to you is, now that I got your attention, John 14, 26, but the, say it with me, helper. Okay, if you're going to come to church, I'm going to need your participation. If you're going to be quiet, go online. But if you're going to be here, I'm going to need your participation. But the helper. helper. I know it's hard to speak through the mass, but I try. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. What a promise. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Let's pray really quickly. Father, we love you. We thank you. We know that your presence is already here. But I'm praying to remind the church, to remind the people that wherever we are, whether it's in a building or a living room, God, you're joining us. You're with us. Holy Spirit, we're talking about you today. In my experience, that means you show up. So we are expectant for your presence and all that comes with it, all things. In Jesus' name, somebody says amen. Come on, somebody said amen. Recently, my wife and I celebrated a milestone in the life of our son, Zane. Um, If you are a parent, you understand milestones are a pretty big deal uh, with your children. You watch for them. You look out for them. You take pictures of them. You put it in baby books if people still do baby books. You raise your hand if you have a baby book, if your mom pulled out a baby book. I don't know if it's a dead art anymore. Do we have a baby book for our kids? We don't. Digital age, destroyed baby books. Not a part of my sermon. Anyway... The milestones are significant. You know, you have some milestones where uh, the kid walks for the first time. That's a milestone. You have another milestone where your kid talks for the first time. That's a milestone. You have another milestone where your kid goes to the potty by themselves. That's a milestone. We recently celebrated a milestone for Zane, and, and it was the milestone of him being able to pour his own cereal. If... I appreciate the support. If that is not a milestone, that just means you're not a parent. Because every parent knows, first off, cereal is a gift from God. Because cereal, it's got all the nutrients, see? It's got the carbs, it's got the fat, it's got the protein. It's pretty much a well-rounded meal. And you get to give it to your children when you don't feel like cooking. Come on, somebody. Amen. And because it's so nutritious, it can fill in in between meals. Or if you're really on the run, it can be a meal. 
okay? It works for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if you really have to push it. It's okay. And, and I love it. I love cereal because if I'm tired, I, I, I'll make them some cereal. But even making them the cereal <laughs> is work. But when your child learns how to pour their own cereal, your life will never be the same again. It is a game changer. When they go, mommy, daddy, cook, you go pour some cereal. And then you go back to watching the show that you were watching that was keeping you from bringing nutrition to your offspring. Don't judge me. Um, I'm so grateful that he did it. Now, in his defense, he could always put the cereal in the bowl. But what he always had trouble with, what he needed the father's help with, was pouring out the milk. Can I preach on cereal real quick? Can I, can I preach on cereal? Listen, I know Forrest Gump said life is like a box of chocolates, but, but I think life is like a bowl of cereal. Come on, somebody. I, I think life is like a bowl of cereal. I think we're, because we're all different. You know, there's so many different kinds. There's a hundred different types of cereals. You go down the cereal aisle, you can find a hundred. And everybody here is a different type of cereal. Amen. Some of y'all are lucky charms. You got rainbow marshmallows and heart marshmallows and you're sweet and you're, you know who you are. You're always happy and joyful. You know, you know who you are. Nobody likes you. You know who you are. Other people, you know, you're Cocoa Puffs. Because you're just a little bit cuckoo. <laughs> you know who you are. You're the person who was super excited that we were doing a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Because you were like, they're going to bring out the snakes. It's going to be good. We're going to bring out the oil. I know it's supposed to be six feet, but we're going to bring out the oil. Come on, I know who you are. You're a part of our church. You're welcome here. Some of y'all, you know, you just, you're the protein cereal. You're just super healthy. You know, you get the protein cereal with no sugar. You know, you eat bird seed and milk. Uh, you know the cereal I'm talking about. You just, you, you go to the gym, you know, you get eight hours of sleep, you know. Nobody likes you. Um, <laughs> other people, you go the whole opposite way. You're just reckless with your life. You don't care about anything. You make, you make reckless decisions. You're irresponsible. You do what you want. You know who you are. You're cookie crisp. <laughs> just eating cookies for a meal like it's a, like it's a meal. What's wrong with you? Get a real cereal. Stop it. Okay, stop it. Cookie crisp ought to be illegal, okay? You cannot have a cookie and call it a meal. You just can't do it. You know who you, who, you, who, who you are. My point in saying all this is that your life can be sweet, savory, salty, full of sugar, or healthy. It doesn't matter. Because without a heavenly outpouring, no matter how great you think your life is, it will always taste dry. It will always be dry. It doesn't matter what, how you have it structured. Listen, we live in the era and the age of resource and help. If you want to learn something, you don't got to go to school. Just go on YouTube. 
You can learn how to do anything on YouTube. You want to be encouraged? Open up a podcast. You got some issues in your past you need to work out? It seems like there's a therapist on every corner of the block, at least in Central Florida. You want to get closer to God? What a resource. We got an amazing book, a Bible that tells you all about him. But all of those resources and even this book is dry unless there is a heavenly outpouring that only the Father can pour out in your life. I wonder if there's anybody here today who understands that there's some things in life only God can help with. There's some things in life that only God can do. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our life is he helps us, but in a heavenly, heavenly, heavenly way. I want to talk to you about all the different ways that the Holy Spirit helps you. But really quickly, I need to get into kind of just the basics of of who the Holy Spirit is. And and I don't know how long this sermon series is going to be. I'm feeling it. We might go like six or seven weeks on this thing. I don't know, maybe three weeks. I'm not really sure. But I will tell you just really quickly who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. And you don't really understand that if you don't understand this term we use in church called the Trinity. You might have heard of it before, you know, you know, the Trinity. And it's, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each one God. One God, three persons. And you have to understand this about the Trinity. The reason why we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, it's not a name change. It's a paradigm shift. In the first 39 books of the Bible, i.e. the Old Testament, you've got God the Father. That's all you hear about, really. The Holy Spirit's there. He's there a lot. But the main character kind of feels like God the Father. And the, the big takeaway you got to take from that is that God the Father is for us. Somebody say that. I'll say, God is for me. Put it in the chat. God is for me. He's for you. What that means is that he fights your battles, that he's not against you, but that he's on your side. That's the message of the Old Testament, that God is on your side and he fights for you, that he is not the enemy, but that he is there fighting for you. You're on the same line of the battle. You're fighting against the same enemy, the devil and all of sin and suffering. In the next four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, you've got this, this next paradigm shift of God. You've got God the Son when God is in heaven and he steps down on earth. And the paradigm shift is this. In the Old Testament, it was God for us. But now that Jesus is on earth, it's God with us. And that's a significant paradigm shift because what that means now is that because God is human, he has experienced your experiences. So now when you pray and you say, God, my best friend just blew me up on social media. My boyfriend just cheated on me. My girlfriend just left me. My wife is divorcing me. Jesus can look back at you because he was with you and go, you know what? My best friend betrayed me with a kiss. I feel you. How about that? You got a God that can literally say, I'm with you. Because I experienced what you experienced. But in the 44th book, there's one more paradigm shift. In the book of Acts, the Bible says that Jesus ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And here's the shift. It's no longer God for us or God with us. But because the Holy Spirit comes to earth, it doesn't just live on earth. It's now it's God in us. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and abides in us. And this is so important. What's the paradigm shift here? Listen, the Holy Spirit helps you transition. It transitions you from the pressure of living for God to the potential of God living in you. 
If you've got notes, you need to write that down right now. If you've got a piece of paper, the Holy Spirit transitions you from the pressure of living for God to the potential of God living in you. Hear me, this is a heavy book. There's a lot of things that God asks us to do in this book. And every time I read this book, I'm a little bit overwhelmed at the things that I can't do. But if I'm shifting to God in me, I'm realizing that God is not my CEO. God is not my correction officer. He's my co-laborer. Hello, somebody. That means that I don't look at this book and read a bunch of things I could never do. I read this book and I think about all the things I can do because God is in me. He's doing this with me. He is for me. It's a paradigm shift. I don't feel like I've got an expectation to live up to and that God will be disappointed with me. I feel like God is in me. Like, let's do this together. Let's tackle Monday together. Let's tackle that relationship together. Let's fight this depression together. Let's start that business together. I'm in you wherever you go. Wherever you go. It's a powerful reality, especially in this age of of COVID and everybody being home. God is always, 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 always with you. You know, in my house, it's a curse word to say I can't. I preach about it all the time. I don't know if it's good parenting advice. Talk to me when they're 20, you know, and I'll tell you how it all turned out then. Hopefully they'll be up here doing instruments or preaching or something like that. Or even in the back production or serving in kids. I don't care. Just want them to love Jesus. <laughs> they love Jesus. I did my job. And when our house can't say I can't, whenever our kids tell us, Daddy, I can't. Mommy, I can't. I go, we don't say I can't in this house. Just like that, real intense. We don't say I can't in this house. In this house, we say, I need help. You can't say I can't in my house. If there's something you think you can't do, the phrase is I need help. Because we believe that with the right help, you can do anything. My son tried me one time. He was like, so does that mean I can touch the moon, dad? <laughs> I was like, first off, you're going to get smacked for being smart. Second, <laughs> just kidding. I don't smack my kids. Liz does. <laughs> it's funny, but... <laughs> I you know I told him I said I said buddy you know what if you meet an astronaut one day if you make a friend in NASA if you go through the training if you go over to Cape Canaveral if you know the right people if you got the right connections you know what buddy with the right help you could touch the moon one day I'm tell you what as a pastor I'm hearing a lot of I can'ts especially in 2020 I'm hearing a lot of I can'ts Pastor, I can't. This year, I can't. Just with everything going on, I can't. I just can't. I I can't go on. I can't figure it out. I can't help it. I can't stop. I can't. Well, listen, I know I'm not your parent, so forgive me if I come off a little authoritative, but with the permission you've given me as your pastor and with the authority that God's given me as the pastor of this house, I will say that we don't say I can't in this house. We don't say I can't in the Father's house. Here's what we say. I need help. I need heavenly help. I need Holy Spirit help. I need assistance. The mountain is hard to climb, but Holy Spirit, if you help me, I believe I can climb it. This problem is tough to solve, but Holy Spirit, if you help me. We don't say I can't in this church. Not in God's house. Not when the God of all the universe is living in your soul. Don't you dare. Say, I can. It's, I need help. And if you help me, so, so, so help me. So help me, God. I'm not even into 
the title of today's message. <laughs> but are we ready to go in? I'm just going to go in a little bit tonight. I mean, you're here already and, uh, and hopefully you don't leave. But I'm, here's one thing I want to tell you God wants to help you with today. I believe God wants to help because every week we're going to talk about different things that the Holy Spirit wants, can help you do. Uh, t- t- today I want to tell you, he can help you find your second wind. Your second wind. Put it in the chat. Second wind. If you're taking notes, second wind. Second wind. Second wind. You know, wind is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. In the New Testament, we see him first described as the wind in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent, say it with me, wind. Say it with me, wind. Say it with me. That was a good one. Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now listen, I'm going to talk about speaking in tongues in this whole series. And so you don't want to miss it. But it's very important you listen to every sermon in this series because each sermon builds on it. So if you're watching online and you miss a Sunday, make sure you get on YouTube. If you're in the room, make sure you get on YouTube because each sermon will build on each other. But the phrase that I want to focus on today is not speaking in tongues. The phrase that I want to focus on today is begin. Because if there's one thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps you begin. That's why when you first begin in this journey of Christianity, you are so hyped about it. if, If you're not a Christian, let me tell you what will happen when you decide to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You get hyped. Something happens on the inside. If you've been a Christian for a while, do you remember the first time? You decided to make Jesus the Lord of your heart. There was just an excitement. I got my man Gio right here. What's up, Gio? Running the camera. He's behind this camera. If you're watching online, he's the guy working behind this camera right here. I want you to give it up for Gio. He gave his life to Jesus this January. Past January. We dedicated his life to Christ. He got a great testimony. I don't want to say it I want because one day you'll share it. Great testimony. But he wrote me a letter. And in the letter he told me, he said, after I gave my life to Jesus, he goes, I figured, he goes, we binge Netflix He goes, why not binge the word of God? He said, I went on Journey Church's YouTube channel and I listened to every sermon on the entire Journey Church YouTube channel from the beginning to the end, just so they know I'm not lying. Is that not true? He he said, if I could binge Netflix, I could binge the word of God. I'll tell you who's not doing that right now. The guy who's been a Christian for 20 years. He's like, I'll catch it next week. Matter of fact, I'm really liking these 60 second summaries you be posting on Instagram. That's good enough for me. But when it's new, it's, it's like life, right? That's the Holy Spirit. Because when you get saved, the Holy Spirit fills you and you have that energy. I'll never forget my pastor in South Carolina. His name was Pastor Sam. He started a 5 a.m. men's small group. He wanted me to be a part of it. I said, sure. Now, I love this guy. He had the best Southern draw accent ever. He spoke so slow. And he closed his eyes for half the conversation. He'd be like, hey, JJ. <laughs> if you know him, that's him all the way. And, and I showed up. And every time I would show up, he would be just the hypest. He would go in there at 5 a.m. How you doing, guys? So good to see you today. And I'm like, and I, one day I told him, I said, Pastor Sam, I said, how you get so much energy in the morning? He said, JJ, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. In my life, he gives me some divine energy. 
I said, Pastor, well, I don't know what time the Holy Spirit wakes up at your house. <laughs> but at my house, Holy Spirit don't wake up till like 8 a.m., okay? They all asleep. Holy Spirit, Lucifer, there's like a spiritual ceasefire in my house until about 8 a.m. That's when all the demons and angels wake up, all right? Before this, I'm asleep. I'm dead cold. I said, I said, I can't. I said, Pastor, I said, what do I do until the Holy Spirit wakes up? He goes, oh, JJ, I've been there. He said, here's a little secret. Until the Holy Spirit wakes up, coffee. <laughs> and he walked away. I mean, so we're just like that. And I, listen, I'm not trying to compare the Holy Spirit to coffee, but there are some similarities. First off, there is that boost. There is that energy. But I want to say this. Just like coffee, you can live off of one sip. Because eventually, just like with caffeine, there will be a crash. And I'm talking to some people in the room today who have crashed on the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm, I, I got I to gotta pause for a second because I usually speak to the, to, the, to the new Christians. Like at Journey, we have a thing. We say Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So every sermon that I preach is always for like your friend who's never been to church before. The friend who's never been to church before, if you're here, I'm going to talk to the friend who invited you. <laughs> And I'm going to talk to the person who grew up going to all the youth conferences and all the conventions and who, who kind of grew up in this thing. You, there, there's, you, are, you crashed on him. He used to exhilarate you and now he exhausts you. Not because you stopped loving God and not because he stopped moving. You just got tired. You just got tired of the whole speaking in tongues thing. You got tired of the whole at the altar thing. You got tired of the whole church thing and you just crashed on him. And the people who are new in the faith are like, are you telling me you can crash on this thing? I don't want this feeling to ever go. And everybody here who's been a Christian for a long time who's like, well, I'm not saying it will happen. Just saying it can. But let me add to the narrative. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. In Acts chapter 4, the New Testament church crashes. They crash. They crash just a little bit. Acts chapter 4. Remember, you will remember that in Acts chapter 2, they were filled. Do you remember? We just read it. Acts chapter 2, they were filled. They got this energy. Right after that, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Like, like there's miracles happening. Like this boom, we're going out there. And in Acts chapter 4, they're a, little, they're a little spent. They're a little tired. They're a little exhausted. Why? Because they're under attack. I'll go ahead and read it. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Essentially, they said, stop preaching Jesus. So there's threats. There's pressure. There's exhaustion. They're spinning their wheels, and they're seeing impact, but they're also seeing oppression. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, which is the correct response. And after they prayed, that's the word for 21 days of prayer, and after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God. Now, before we celebrate an amen, can we pause for just one second and recognize that the people who were filled in Acts chapter 2 are the same people in this one in Acts chapter 4, and they had to get filled again? If something is already full, you don't have to fill it. But if you are filling something, then the prerequisite for filling is that the thing that you're filling either be empty or on its way to it. The people were empty or on their way to it even though they had an experience of being filled. 
I, I, at this church, we are not a, this is going to mean nothing to you if, 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 you're not, if you're new to church. But for those like theologians who are like super deep, I might get some flack for this. We can talk about it after church. Just DM me. We'll go more. But we don't believe in the theology of once saved, always saved. Which means that once you give your life to Jesus, you can just go out and do anything you want. And Jesus is going to be like, what's up? I'm so here. Don't worry. I'm still here. Like, yeah. He is still there. I don't believe we lose our salvation. I do believe we forfeit it though. I'll get into that whole other thing later. So we don't believe that. Here's what else we don't believe in. Are you ready? Once filled, no need to be refilled. We don't believe it because I've been there. I've been filled and I've been emptied and I needed to be filled again. It's very dangerous if you become one of those Christians who thinks, well, I had an experience a long time ago and that experience is good for me for the rest of my life. Because if that is you, then you're going to become two types of Christian. You're either going to become the Christian who is, one, you'll be the Christian who is nostalgic and critical. Because you're living your life in a moment you had when you were 17, when you first gave your life to Jesus. And so you come to a church like Journey and you go, well... Back in my day, the presence of God was so thick, you couldn't even walk into the place. I still got the pastor Sam thing in my mind. You still could. Journey Church doesn't even do altar calls. In my day, the altars were packed, crying people, people in wheelchairs, jumping out of their wheelchairs, blind people, sin. And this is, oh, this ain't even, this is a show. And this is a production. There ain't no presence. Oh, word, that's the last time you saw it? Mm. When was the last time that miracle worked through you? So asking for a friend because you seem to be real into this thing here. Don't, don't live your Christian life out of, an, out of yesterday's experiences. I'm going to do a whole sermon on this one day. Learn from the past. Don't yearn for the past. Don't, don't do it. Or, or you'll become a Christian who is, you're not nostalgic and critical. You're, you're, you're bitter and cynical. You're bitter and cynical because you crashed a long time ago. And you go, oh, you got nervous. You know, we talked about those people who got excited when we said we were doing a series on the Holy Spirit. You got nervous when you said we were doing a series on the Holy Spirit. Because you're like, I've been burned on that before. I've seen some weird stuff. Before, I, I, I was at that service where the guy prayed for me and I, and I felt it and I might have even hit the ground and I, or I felt this presence, but you know what? I went home and I still had issues. This doesn't work for me. I don't want to hear about this Holy Spirit. Give me something that'll, that'll practical and I can put my hands on. And listen, I think church today is guilty of that. And, and, and I got to be careful at this church because I preach a lot of like, things that you can use on Monday and do on Tuesday. But in all of the practical teaching that I present to you, let that not overshadow the fact that there are some things only the Holy Spirit that God can do and break in your life. And, and, and you can't be bitter and cynical because you can't expect one experience to alter the rest of your life. You need to come back to it. That's like somebody saying, oh, this southern accent is going to be with me all night. That's like somebody saying, well... You know, I drank water yesterday, and tomorrow, or today, I'm still thirsty. Yeah, bro, that's how it works. You drank enough for yesterday. But if you want to see transformation today, you got to go back to the fountain and get another drink. 
You got to get another drink. I went to this restaurant with my son. It's called Bole. It's on a Loma. It's really good. I don't get any feedback or kickback from them. So, But we're open to it if Bole is watching. Yeah. <clears throat> I, will, I will wear a shirt. Come on. <laughs> Giving's been low this week. I will get a shirt. <laughs> we're going to sponsor. Hello. Bole. I love Bole. They have the best soda. Not a big soda guy, but every once in a while I'll take them. My kids love soda. And they got like the coolest soda flavors. And, and Justice came out with this cool soda flavor. And we all wanted to try it. Because that's what you do. You don't have a lot of money. One person buys the soda and everybody drinks it. And then by the time he came back to justice, he had like one sip. And he was so upset. And he was like, oh, y'all guys drank my soda. I got a more soda. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, you don't know the thing. The coolest, coolest thing about Bole. And he said, what? I said, free refills. You get to take that same cup. And even though it's empty, you get to go back to the fountain. And if you go back to the fountain, the cup that was spent will be refilled. Put it in the chat. Jesus gives free refills. <laughs> Write it down. You, he gives free refill. If you're thirsty, come to me, he says, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me if you want. Jesus told the woman at the well, I know a fountain that does not run dry. I paid the price on the cross, and now anytime your soul thirsts, come find me. I've got water for you. I can refill you. I can refill you. Free refills. Jesus giving them out. <laughs> and it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. He does it. He does it. And he's always done it. You can get your second wind. If you want to learn how to get your second wind, say amen. I'm going to tell you. Skipping half of my notes right now. I'm just kind of going into the second, third part here. But how do you get your second wind? Here's how you get your second wind. It's two things. Where's your team? Stay back there. Do not come out. But I was on vacation for a week and I'm just ready to preach. I'm so sorry. But is this good? Y'all okay? If you got to go and take your kids to school, well, there is no school. Get stuck. Um, two things you can do to get your second win. Your second win, because your second win is important. Number one, you got to get to your limits. Write it down. Get to your limits. Why do we take notes in church? Because when you go home, there'll be a test. There'll be a test. Take notes, take notes online. Get to your limits. I, uh, I worked out. I'm bragging. Just saying. I was doing a lot of weightlifting, uh, but then COVID happened. And, uh, you know, COVID-19 doesn't just mean, you know, COVID-19, like we discovered this thing in 2019. If you know what I'm talking about, there's another definition. And it's the COVID-19 pounds you put on during quarantine. <laughs> Hello. <clears throat> I liked in the mirror the other day. I was like, ooh, no. <laughs> I never did cardio. I hated cardio. I was real strong for my, my size, but never did cardio. And I was like, I'm going to start doing cardio. So I went to the gym. I started doing this thing called HIT, high intensity interval training. That's what it's called. And it's like you're on a bike and you run as fast as you can on the bike for 30 seconds. Then you cool like a regular speed for a minute. They do 30 seconds, and you do that interval for, like, 25 minutes. And so <clears throat> I, I work out in the mornings, and I'm, I'm real tired in the mornings. And when I started to entertain this whole cardio idea, I was like, well, I don't really know that I have the energy for cardio, but I'll try. And so I went out there, and I, I got on the bike, 
And just the, just the, first, just the first interval, I was like, no. <laughs> I did two intervals, I went home. Because I'm a slow and steady kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm like the tortoise, not the hare. I can beat this thing in the long run. <laughs> so, so I come back next week and I'm like determined. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to get it. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go all the way 25 minutes. And the first minute was killer. And the second minute was killer. And the third minute was killer. Around minute five, something hit me. And all of a sudden, I was running faster in minute five than I was in minute one through four. Here's what I learned. It wasn't until I used up all the energy I had that I discovered the energy I never knew I had. If you want a second wind, first you got to get through the first one. You got to get to your limits if you want supernatural assistance to get you further, which is the best thing about the COVID-19 season. And it's the best thing about 2020, because if there's one thing 2020 is really good at, it is getting you to your limit. Show is, show is, oh my gosh. And I think there's four areas of the limit that God wants to get you to. And he's using this season to do it. I think he wants you to get to the limit of your energy. If you're writing notes, energy, the limits of your energy. You know, <clears throat> that's why I went on vacation, because I only have a limited amount of energy. I'm a lot like a battery. You know, you got to get recharged every once in a while. I I'm really grateful for my phone. I don't know if you have an iPhone and you're going to heaven <laughs> or if you have those other guys. But one thing I really like about my iPhone is that when you get to the limit of your energy, around 20%, something happens. What happens? Low power mode. Low power mode is a godsend. The battery turns yellow and somehow your battery gets like it lasts longer. Well, I did research on this low power mode. I was, this is a scam. I'm not going to believe it just because you told me. What is it about low power mode? And they said, well, in low power mode, the way your phone saves battery is this way. It shuts down all the background apps and it only keeps the essential services of its phone running. So even though my phone is in low power mode, I still get phone calls, I still get text messages, and I can still get on the internet and I can still check my email. But all of the apps, how many people got like 30 apps running right now in the back of your phone? All of the background apps shut down and only the essential services come through. Ooh. You know, sometimes you got to be, like, I'm not saying it's good to be tired, but what I am saying is it's good to be too tired. I'm not saying it's good to be tired, but what I am saying is that sometimes it's good to be too tired to sweat your haters. <laughs> Have you ever been too tired to comment back? Have you ever been too tired have you ever looked at some hate sent your way and just said, I just don't have the energy for you right now. I just don't have the energy for that attitude right now. I just don't have the energy for your hate right now. Have you ever been too tired? I'm not saying it's good to be tired, but, but I'm saying it is good to be too tired to worry. Liz was telling me on the way here, she was like, I'm a little worried, you know, because we're moving services and service times. I said, are you worried? I said, babe, they just told me we were moving service like, Three days ago, I had three days to make this sermon. I've been working nonstop. I told her, I'm too tired to worry. I'm too tired 
to worry. I'm too tired to fear. I'm too tired to imagine negative possible scenarios of the outcome because I'm too tired. I can only live in this moment. You know what the best thing about running out of energy is? Is that when you get to the limit and you start praying all the background apps. All the background noise, it all shuts down. All the drama goes away. All the stress goes away because you ain't got the energy. And the only thing you got the energy for is the essential services. And because you're too tired for all the rest, it's the Holy Spirit who comes through and speaks to you clearer with no energy than he was when you were full of energy. When you get to your limit, the second win kicks in. I think God wants to get you to the limit of your, not just your energy, but your patience. Mm-hmm. Don't look at them. Don't, you looked. I saw you look. You messed it up. The limit of your patience. Ooh, I thought I had patience. Then I became a parent. They don't listen to nothing. I tell my kids the same thing 20 times every day, every week for the last seven years, and they still don't do it. We legit created a remembering board. A remembering, it's a board in our home that has the top five things mommy and daddy tell you every day. Let me tell you about this remembering board. It's crap. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> no patience for my kids. But after I had them, I thought, ooh, I surely have patience now. Then I became a pastor. <laughs> pastor, can we meet? Yeah, sure, man, let's talk. Cool, man. So grateful you made the time. Absolutely, man. How can I help you? Well, you know my story. Yeah, I know your story. We've been praying about it now for about five months. We know. I lost another job. You lost your job again? Yeah. Pastor, I don't know what to do. I think I know what to do. What's that? Stop going to work high! (laughs) It's not happening, bro! Don't counsel with me. I'm just telling you right now. We got great pastors. Pastor Jenny, she's awesome. You want to go with her? She's great. She'll listen. I'm just, I got no patience. I'm not a good counselor. I'm just going to tell you, are you praying? No. Well, then don't talk to me. You're not praying. I got no patience for people sometimes. And I used to think patience was like a state of being that you attained. You know, like Zen. Like if you meditate long enough, like you'll achieve patience. It's not. Patience is not a state you attain, nor is it an achievement that you reach, nor is it a quality that you inherit. Patience is a limited resource that you drain. And there are three P's that drain your patience. I made this real easy for you to remember. There's three P's that drain drain your patience. Problems drain your patience. You know that if you ever thrown a Rubik's Cube across the room because you couldn't solve it. (laughs) I can't figure out this thing. I hate this. It's the devil. People will draw your patience. There's a great song on YouTube right now. You need to hear it. It's called Try Jesus. <laughs> if you haven't heard this song, I'll sing it right now. It's, it's one verse over and over. Are you ready for it? I don't really sing in public, so I need some support. You ready for it? All right, here's how the song goes. 
Try Jesus, but please don't try me. Because I fight. That's the whole song. That's the whole song. Try Jesus, don't try me because I lay hands. That's the song. Hey, that's my anthem right now. I'm going to tell you what. Try Jesus. Don't try me. Because people draw your patience. You know what else draws your patience? Problems? People. Here's the other P. In places. I don't know if you've ever walked into work. Nobody even said anything to you. Just the building. Just, just the scent. Just the welcome sign. Come on, I don't know if you've ever been to school. Just the parking lot. Come on. Some of y'all in church right now are like, I know what you mean. Because <laughs> you had a bad experience in church or whatever. It, 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 it drains you. But here's what I honestly believe. I honestly believe that it's at the end of your patience that your patience is renewed. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. goes like this. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait patiently for the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll say this word with me. Say it one more time. On wings, with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. You know what I love about this verse? It said that they will soar, not fly. Because flying and soaring are two different things. You know, the eagle, the way it was built, it's got seven-foot wingspan. The problem with the seven-foot wingspan is that it's got one of the smallest hearts in the animal kingdom. And so it takes a lot of energy and blood to pump those wings. And so eagles don't flap their wings that often. If they want to go far distances, they soar. Check out this cool stat. Can I just do this for a couple more minutes? Check out this cool stat. An eagle can fly. Oh, you get a good picture. This, an, eagle, an eagle can fly. An eagle, an eagle can fly. Write this. You don't have to write this down, but catch it. For up to four hours without flapping once. Four hours without flapping once, you say, well, what does that have to do with patience, Jay? What are we talking about? Eagle, this is a biology, zoology class. Why are we talking about eagle? Easy, because in order to soar, it needs wind. And he doesn't get to decide when the wind blows. So he's got to stay on top of the cliff, hungry, thirsty, desperate. And he's got to wait for the wind to blow. And then when the wind blows, his patience is rewarded by soaring with the strength that the wind gives him that his body does not have. Oh, my God. See, you know why patience, when you lose your patience, you know why you lose your patience, right? Because you're trying to make something happen that's not the right time. That's why you lose your patience. Yeah, that's why you be flapping. <laughs> this is you right now. People, people, you know, you know, people who lose their patience, you know what they do with their arms? <laughs> am I right? Am I right about it? Can you believe her? Oh my God. Can you believe that they don't? 
This is you all day impatient. I can't believe he. I can't believe she. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. I can't believe. You weren't built to flap. You were built to soar, baby, soar. You gotta wait for God's timing, God's wind, God's strength to take you places you can't go on your own. Be patient, wait on it. But what happens if it doesn't happen like I thought it would happen? I'm with you. I was, I was contemplating if I was gonna share this with you or not. And I, it's a little inside information on the church, but I'm, I'm gonna share it with you anyway. We're only gonna be in this building for the next three weeks. Long story short, the building's not available at the end of three weeks. And so we got some other venues already lined up. But we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to be in another venue. We don't know if by that time cases will spike. We'll have to be online. Can I just tell you something? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And here, and here, and let me tell you this too. Somebody, somebody sitting down in the seat right now is like, well, Pastor, that sounds a lot like winging it. Pastor, are you, are you winging it? I'm not winging it. Hey, Spanish translation team, I don't know how you're going to translate this next word. But sign language team, I don't know how you're going to translate this next word. But here's, I'm not winging it, I'm winding it. Ooh, wherever you take us, Lord. Come on, somebody. Wherever you take us, whenever you have it planned. We were raising money for a building. Whenever that building comes, that's okay. I'm patient because I don't flap. I soar. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whoever you want us to lead, wherever you want us to reach, whatever campuses you want us to plant or don't plant, that's okay. I learned I'm an eagle. I don't flap. I soar. I'm going to wait for the wind and I'm going to let the wind take me wherever the wind takes me. So so is a man who was led by the Spirit of the Lord. He is like a leaf in the wind. He goes and comes. Nobody knows where he came from. Nobody knows where he's going. But the wind knows. The wind knows. The wind knows. The wind knows. Can I, can I refresh your patience right now? The wind knows. The wind knows. Y'all ain't going to get me off this stage. I'm just telling you right now. Y'all not going to get me off this stage. But I appreciate you. I think he wants you to get, is this okay? Can we keep going? He wants you to get, I think he wants you to get not just to the limit of your patience. I think he's trying to get you to the limit of your discipline. You know, your discipline has limits. You can only say no for so long. You can only say no to the cookies for so long. You can only say no to not staying out late, not being at those parties for so long. You can only say no to pornography for for so long, and, but I've learned the secret about disciplined people. I used to hate disciplined people because I wanted to be them and I never was them. Disciplined people don't say no, they say yes. They say yes to the right things that leads them to say no to the wrong things. Disciplined people don't say no to cookies, they say yes to a six pack. They don't say no to not cheating on their wives, uh, 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 to, to pornography. They say yes to wanting to be married for their whole lives. You can't say no to yourself and overcome things in your life because self-discipline, let me, let me get to the end of my thought. Self-discipline is a myth. I'll prove it to you. It's in the Bible. There's a Bible verse on it. Self-discipline is a myth. Here we go. Matthew 26, verse 41. Are you ready? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? The flesh is weak, which is why you can't say no to it because self cannot cast out self. 
You don't overcome by saying no to your flesh. You overcome by saying yes to the spirit. And as you say yes to the spirit, the spirit leads you and develops you and evolves you and grows you and transforms you and moves you. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't walk around. I've been married for 12 years. I hope to be married for the rest of my life. Here's, here's not, this is not my plan for staying faithful to my wife. I'm not going to cheat on this. 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 No, 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 no. That just makes me think about cheating on no. I'm not going to say no to not cheating. Here's what I'm going to say yes to, date night. I'm going to say yes to being regularly intimate with my wife. I'm going to say yes to, to bringing home flowers. That's true. I, I, don't, I never do that. But I do sing songs. I'm going to say yes to singing songs and yes to the hugs and yes to telling her today while she was getting dressed, I played Bruno Mars for her. You know, just the way you are when I see your face. Anyway, I, I, I'm going to say yes. I'm just telling you. Listen, if you're having trouble saying no to the flesh, try saying yes to the spirit. Mm. The Bible says in Revelations, the spirit and the bride say, come. Do you know that every morning you wake up, the Holy Spirit has an invitation for you to come into his plan for your life that day. And the more mornings you wake up and you say, yes, Holy Spirit, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. The easier it becomes to say no. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think he wants you to get to the limit, not just of your energy, not just of your patience, not just of your discipline, but I think he wants you to get to the limit of your hope. I don't know how many people could say amen to this. You might not even have the strength, but how many people would testify that hope can be exhausting? Good God. If you've ever been hoping for something, that's their cue. They're good. I told them to come in on hope. If you've been hoping for something for a long time and it just hasn't happened, right? Hope can be exhausting. But hope, hope is, listen, hope is not a two-sided coin. Hope is a two-sided cassette tape. Hey, y'all don't know about no cassette tapes in here. Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, cassette tapes. Raise your hand if you know about side A and side B and side B. Everybody who's at a certain age, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Cassette tapes were before CDs, were before streaming music. It was a tape with tape in it. And there were songs on one side and then on the other side, so after your tape was finished, you would take your tape out. You wouldn't rewind it. You would flip it over. You'd put it back in, and then side B would start. I don't know about no cassette tapes. I remember that nobody ever taught me that there was another side. So I remember putting my old Carmen Riot cassette tape in the, in the machine. Y'all don't know about no Carmen. Y'all don't know about no Riot. Put this cassette tape in, and my favorite song wasn't playing. And I said, man, did they say that this song was on the, on the album? How come it's not there? They said, no, that's just side A. You got to get to the end of side A. Then when you get to the end of side A, only when you get to the end, you flip it over, and there's a whole nother side. I want to let you know that hope has two sides. And you only find side B when you get to the end of side A. And let me give you side A. Side A is holding on. Unfortunately, this is the only way we perceive hope in our world today, to hold on to things. I'm going to hold on to that relationship. I'm going to hold on to that dream. I'm going to hold on to those finances. I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to hold on to her. I'm going to hold on to this ministry. I'm going to hold on to this expectation. But there's another side of the cassette tape, and it's not holding on. It's called 
took my sons to Islands of Adventure back when, before all this. And he wanted to do the rock climbing thing. They have this cool rock climbing thing in the Jurassic Park area. He had never been rock climbing before in his life. So he, he, would, he would go up about three or four steps. Then he would freak out and he would come down. And I said, Papa, you guys keep going. And I could see his little fingers holding on to the rocks, you know? Like, ugh, ugh. I just, I, I see that hand, I see you. It's holding on, just like, but the weight, right? And like your fingernails are getting white. <laughs> You're like, I don't think I can hold on any longer. <laughs> Finally, I said, buddy, just let go. If you don't think you can do it, I said, just let go. He said, but oh, oh. I said, no, there's a whole lady here. <laughs> do you see that rope that's attached to your back? He's like, yeah. I'm like, she's not gonna let you fall. You can let go. She's like, he's like, let go. I'm like, yeah, and hope that she catches me. Because <laughs> that takes hope too. I said, yeah. He said, okay. So he went up, same, let go. She caught him. When he realized that he could not fall, guess how high he went the third time? Because he had hope. Somebody, you've been holding on to something for a long time and hope was all you had. And I don't know that I've ever preached this before. And, 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 and I, if it, you know how we tilt those clips? Don't take a clip of this because you need the whole sermon for this part right here to make sense. But now that you've heard the whole sermon, let me just tell you, it might be time to let go of that dream. Just for a season. And do what, pastor? It might be time to let go of that relationship. And do what? Pastor, hope, hope that God catches me. Yup, hope that God catches you because I wanna let you know something. He's been running this world for a really long time and he has not let one person slip through his fingers. He says, if I take care of the sparrow, surely I know how to take care of you. If I provide for the roses and I provide for the birds of the air, surely I will provide for my children. If you don't have the strength to hold on, I got good news. You can let go. Have hope that the Lord is going to lift you up, that he's got you hanging, that he's going to take you where he destined for you. There's the hope to let go, but you only get to the hope to let go if you reach the limit of the hope to hold on. So maybe you're in the perfect season for a miracle. Because I don't know that I can hold on any longer, guys. So I'm just telling you, I'm letting go. I'm letting go. And it feels so good to let go. We're going to have church in three weeks. Ah! I let go a long time. I let go, I let go 60 minutes before I started preaching this message. That's why we're 20 minutes over right now. Because I let go, I don't care. I let go. I'm hoping you don't leave and find another church because I preach long. I'm hoping. I let go, guys, I let go. That's the first thing. I'm really done, I'm really done, for real. I don't got three points. This is my last thing. You got to get to your limits and you're ready for this one. This one's easy. This one's easy, so easy, so easy, so easy. You got to, if you want your second win, you got to do this. You got to. On three, one, two, three. Inhale. You know, <clears throat> oxygen is all around you right now. Did you know that? <clears throat> 21%, I think, 27%, something like that. 
of the air around you is oxygen. Now you need oxygen to live. Thank God that there's oxygen in this room. How many people say amen to that? Yeah, you've never said amen for oxygen in church before, but you just did now. Amen that there's oxygen in church. But how many people know that just because the, the oxygen is available doesn't mean it's automatic. I could be in a room full of it, but unless I inhale it, it stays in the room, but not in me. I came to tell somebody, about to get gospel up in here. I came to tell somebody, there is something in the room tonight. Today, whenever you are watching this, listening, if you're watching this at home in your living room, there is something in the living room today. If you are listening to this in your car, there is something in the car today. If you are listening to this at school in the library, there is something in the library today. Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters and the world was dark and it was chaotic but he was still there he was there he's always been available the question is not is God in this room the question is will you will you inhale will you inhale will you receive the second wind that he has for you and I hear somebody, somebody telling me, well, I don't know if I can. Why? I'm too tired even to breathe right now. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Too tired to breathe? No problem. Guess what? Because Jesus knows not to mouth. Oh, yeah. Somebody's like, this just got weird. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It's biblical. Jesus knows mouth to mouth. It's in the Bible. Y'all didn't know Jesus invented mouth to mouth? It's in the Bible. Let me teach you. Matthew chapter 27 verse 50 it's the last moment that he's on earth he's on the cross dying and the Bible says Jesus passionately cried out took his last breath and gave up his his what? So that means, if we're just going to reenact it, that when he was on the cross, the camera, when he was on the cross, he did something like this. And guess what came out? It's not your breath. It's not your wind. When he exhaled for the last time, we inhaled for the first time. When he went into the grave, we came out of the grave, baby. When he got resurrected, we got resurrected. When he was healed, we were healed. Mouth to mouth, I got you. You don't got the strength to go on, I got strength for you. You don't got the hope to believe, I got hope for you. You don't got the power to push, I got the power for you. His last breath was our first breath, so breathe him in. He's in the room. Would you stand on your feet? Would you stand on your feet today? I want to pray for you, but I can't do this part. If you're watching online, I'm going to pray for you, but I can't do this part. 
I can preach to you, but I can't breathe for you. I can preach to you, but I can't be you. And so as I pray for you, as I pray for everybody in this room today, I want to invite you to just soar today. I want to invite you to maybe however's comfortable for you. And listen, the hardest, this is going to be the hardest for anybody who's crashed on the Holy Spirit because you're fearful of going back to that place of burnout and spiritual abuse. But this is not that house. And this is not that place. And this is not that God. And so wherever you are, if you're exhausted, if you're tired, if you're burned out on religion, would you breathe with me? We're going to do a worship song. We're going to sing. But this is going to be more than a song. This is going to be a, I know you got that mask on, but it's going to be a, it's going to be an inhale moment as we worship and as we sing. So I'm going to pray. And all I'm asking for you is to ask the Lord to breathe into your spirit. And I believe a divine, supernatural second wind is going to fill this place from the ceiling to the floor. Oh, if this was, if we had not six feet, we'd invite you to the front. We'd pray for you. But that's okay. We don't need to lay hands. He'll breathe right on you. So right now, will you free yourself? Come on, close your eyes. Bow your head. Come on, reach out your arms like this. Come on, tell him. I'm tired. I'm running out on energy. I need you, Lord. I'm breathing in. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Holy Spirit, fill my heart right now. Come on, there's a second wind. It's coming right now. Come on, don't be burned out. Come on, receive the breath right now. The Spirit of God is in this room. Come on, so help me God. The Spirit of God is in your living room. The Spirit of God is on the other side of that device. Come on. Come on, let's breathe. Let's breathe. enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.